0: It is Monday at 7 o'clock, and it is time for 62 Who Knew in the beautiful WeBeam TV studios in Port Ritchie, Florida. Every Monday we come here, and we hope uh, uh, tonight's going to be an absolutely great show. Uh, we have uh, Mrs. Laura Banner, who is the founder and president of Compassionate Education, uh, one of the most uh, largely looked at sources of information and assistance uh, with all pertaining to all types of dementia, Of course, Alzheimer's is is the chief one that is on everybody's, uh, the tip of everybody's tongue. Um, But uh, as we've learned from Laura uh, in in her past uh, appearances here on the show, that may be the most popular dementia, but there are many more. We're going to discuss a lot of things uh, once we bring Laura on, and we're going to do that post-haste in just about another minute. But before we do that, once again, I want to thank everybody. Uh, Our audience continues to grow. Uh, We are now between 85 and 90,000 viewers um, per week. We're very happy about that. We thank you. I always say that (coughs) that is the result um, of our great guests. Tonight's no exception to that. Uh, But for our new people just coming on, uh, watching 62 Who Knew, let me just give you the premise of our show. Um, Basically, as we approach retirement, as we approach the age of 62, Uh, Hopefully you've been preparing for many years before that, but at age 62 is when we start thinking, should we take Social Security now? Should we defer it for later? Do we have enough life insurance? Do we need life insurance at this age? Have we saved enough money? Should our investments be chancy and risky? Should they be in the stock market? Should they be in annuities? Should they be in bonds? When I turn 65, do I need a Medicare supplemental policy? Is there a difference between them? Do I need long-term care insurance? Should I consider a reverse mortgage? The point of this show is every generation, including ours, our parents, their parents, their parents, had the same questions as they approached the age of 62. My generation, me being 61 and a half years old, has one different obstacle, one different hurdle to overcome. And what is this generation's obstacle that is so different than our parents and grandparents? Longer lifespans. Thanks to advances in medical technology and scientific technology, breakthroughs in the scientific uh, world, age, uh, longer, longer lifespans is a, a fact. And it's a double-edged sword. It's a mixed blessing. In fact, many uh, polls show that if you live to be 65 years old, in the United States of America live to be 65. You have a 50-50 shot at making it to 90. Well, let's do the math on that. 65 from 90 is 25 years. 62 from 90 is 28 years. So that's what 62 who knew is. Who knew it's 62? You may have 25 to 30 years still left here. That's half the time you've been alive. And the fact is less than 1% of the United States of America can live from 62 to 90 without some sort of extra source of income. Living for the next 25 or 30 years in a high quality of life is next to impossible for more than 99% of this country. That's why you see so many people in their 60s, like me, 70s, 80s, still working. This show brings on a different guest every week. We repeat guests, obviously, especially our more popular ones, like tonight's guest, to discuss the very, very prevalent and relevant things in our lives. Social Security, long-term care insurance, reverse mortgages, life insurance, Medicare, Medicare supplemental policies, health, travel, population, food, everything that it takes to get from 62 to 90. Because who knew at 62, we still had another 25 or 30 years to go. So that's our premise to the show. Thank you for everybody that keeps tuning in, and to those of us, uh, to those of you that are new, we think you're gonna enjoy tonight. Tonight's guest, as I said in our pre-introduction, is Mrs. Laura Banner. Laura is the founder and president. <clears throat> Wait a minute, gotta take a drink. So there's Laura. Of compassionate, edu- you know you're getting old when you choke on nothing. Of compassionate education, which has become a national source uh, for references on the topic of not just Alzheimer's, but dementia of all types. Uh, Mrs. Banner actually travels the country lecturing on this and has become, in the medical community, a well-known national expert on this topic. And before I welcome Laura officially, she's up on the screen, um, I have to say that, you know, uh, we all know people dealing with cancer. We all know uh, people dealing with kidney problems, with this, with that, with diabetes, high blood pressure. These are very, very serious problems. Um, But I would take any one of them over Alzheimer's or dementia. Uh, This disease shows no mercy. Um, It doesn't care what color you are, what religion you are, uh, what financial status you are. Um, It's on everybody's mind. And sometimes it's correct, and sometimes it's not. Oh, Grandpa may be getting dementia. No, as Laura has taught us, Grandpa may just be getting old, and there may just be many, many other reasons for what he's going through. But this is a topic that touches everyone, every family. So without further ado, welcome, Laura. Thank you for coming back.
1: Thanks for inviting me.
0: You're very welcome. So, you know, if we were to talk 10 years ago, we start sometimes the same, you know, but the prevalence... Of this topic, the relevance of this topic. Twenty years ago, even fifteen years. Yeah, Alzheimer's. I knew somebody once that had it, but it truthfully is, I I, I think maybe the number one fear in America um, for older people. Um, right. t- let's talk a little about the prevalence of what you do.
1: So, what I tell people all the time is, until it actually affects you personally, whether you're the one who's having some memory problems, maybe it's a parent, maybe it's a spouse, maybe it's a neighbor, but until it really hits home, most people, it doesn't hit their radar. Yeah, they're aware of it. There's a good cause out there. You know, um, Alzheimer's association is certainly making their presence known, but until it hits you, people don't really understand the impact of it. It impacts absolutely every aspect of your life. Certainly, right now, we have a global concern, this pandemic that's going around, the Mm COVID-19. But let's back up about maybe even just a month ago. We could probably go back two weeks ago. Mm -hmm. We were aware of something going on in China. Um, Depending on where you lived in the United States, if you're on the West Coast, you were more aware of it. East Coast, we were spared initially. Now everyone's talking about it. Now everyone is rushing to the store, they're buying their hand sanitizer, they're trying to stock up on their non-perishables, because all of a sudden, it is relevant to us. And I don't mean to sound so dramatic, but the reality is, as concerning as COVID-19 is for the globe um, and citizens of the world, it is no less concerning... Then when someone has to face that diagnosis of some type of dementia, Alzheimer's, vascular, or whatever other type they (coughs) might face it, literally overnight their world has fallen apart. And I think we've mentioned um, in prior interviews, I like to tell people there's certain words in in my profession that seem heavy. They have this black cloud, if you will, just the word alone. Stroke is one of them. Um, Stroke often regardless of the size it might just be a pinpoint on an mri and perhaps the person is fortunate enough to have no residual deficits but just hearing the word stroke and your name in the same sentence is devastating yeah. cancer's another one
0: mm-hmm. so is dementia yeah
1: unlike the others where there's hope for recovery dementia there's not that's right. And so just to kind of make it clear for the audience who perhaps have not listened to some of our previous interviews, dementia is just this non-specific term that describes an organic type of memory loss. And when I say organic type of memory loss, what I'm specifically relating to is memory loss that cannot be otherwise explained by perhaps insomnia, depression, um, medications that are causing some kind of cognitive impairment, so when we evaluate all of that and we find that it actually is true organic type of memory loss, it's a dementia, um, that, is, that turns their world upside down. Yes. And from that point forward, they're only going to go one direction, and it's a declining direction. What we can control, what we can hope to influence, mm. is the rate of decline. But now, imagine if that's the diagnosis that you got, and you're sitting with your provider, and you've just been given that diagnosis, or perhaps a family member, and that's the best we can offer right now.
0: Mm -hmm. How are you going to feel? It's devastating. I mean, it is
1: devastating. Yeah, I mean, it is. All of a sudden, you have family members who have to become experts. They have to become healthcare providers. They are now officially in the trenches. They are the eyes and ears for us to help us to understand how this disease is evolving and how we can best treat their loved one. So knowing that grim news, let's talk about some really staggering um, statistics. So what I noticed in my practice was not only were we having the typical dementias of your Alzheimer's or your vascular or your Lewy body, and there's so many other types, those are just the most common, Mm -hmm. What we're also finding is that atypical dementias that don't act like the other ones or mixed dementias where you have a combination of two or more types are becoming quite popular, popular just in the sense of the prevalence is increasing. Mm-hmm. On top of that, what we're finding is we're finding a lot of early onset. Now, typically when we talk about early onset, not to be confused with early stage, early onset is when symptoms first started prior to the age of 65. So 65 is the defining line. When symptoms, again, not diagnosis, because we know oftentimes it takes several years before you can get the diagnosis. But when symptoms start after age 65, or rather 65 or older, it's considered late onset. Very different paths that early onset and late onset follow. This is one of the very rare times that a disease process actually is kinder to our our elderly, our seniors. Hmm. So, for example, let's say someone is 60 when they start to have onset of symptoms. And you compare them to someone has who has onset of symptoms at age 70. Let's fast forward three years. The 70-year-old 70 at 73 will have had some decline, but really not, nothing that's significant, assuming there are no extraneous variables like infection or trauma Mm -hmm. or life-altering situations. Let's look at the 60-year-old. You fast forward three years, and there is significant decline. So this is one of the rare times, again, that age is on our side.
0: What I started
1: seeing... That's interesting. It is interesting. Um, (coughs) What I started to see in my practice several years ago, but over the last... 18, 24 months, I couldn't help but notice how many people were presenting in their late 40s and 50s. And they were presenting with early onset Alzheimer's or perhaps early onset mixed. Now, why that's significant is because there is a type of dementia called frontal lobe dementia or frontal temporal lobe Mm -hmm. dementia. And that typically will present one to two decades earlier than your typical Alzheimer's disease. So these are the people who will show up in their 40s or 50s. That's not uncommon. It's a dementia that is very different. It acts very different. It's where there's personality change. There's disinhibition. Memory is actually relatively intact, but the filter is gone with those individuals. So now we've talked about early onset, late onset, and frontotemporal. But now we're seeing these people show up in their 40s and 50s, early 50s. And there's definitely a trend going on. I actually read an article over the weekend, and it said that the increase in those early, early Alzheimer-type patients is up 300%. Up 300%. So remember what I said, how early onset progression is fast. Well, imagine if you have... Early, early onset, and that's just my terminology, but right. how fast they progress. And these are patients that it's not uncommon to see them, diagnose them, and within three to five years they've passed.
0: Let me ask a question. It's I know it's probably too soon for these type of statistics, but as the trend seems to be getting, if correct me if I'm wrong from what you're saying, you know, younger and younger. Do you think it is just Mm -hmm. the stress of what life has become? I mean, I'm not bitching because, quite frankly, you know, our family, and for those of the people in the audience that didn't realize, it's not a coincidence that uh, Laura and I have the same last name. Um, You know, our family does well. We have our share of a little cancer here and a little diabetes there, and you know, but our family does, but you know what? The world the last 10 or 15 years whether it be politically, whether it started with 911, whether it's the coronavirus, uh, <laughs> Ebola. I mean, how many things were going to wipe us out in the last 15 years that if you listen to the news, we were all going to die? It was going to be zombies soon. Um, and, right. I'm not, and I'm not trying to make light of it. You have to be no. prepared. But the stress of today's world, the separation, the hatred between the political parties, uh, the economic difference, between the haves and the have-nots has never, ever been this wide. The mega-rich and the people mm-hmm. that are, you know, that are surviving um, healthcare. I mean, we could we could have three shows on this. But is stress, right. you think, a factor for these people in their 40s or 50s that are going, you know?
1: Well, absolutely. It is. That's my opinion. Yeah. So. It is certainly contributing to those pseudo-dementias, which would be when something is occurring and it mimics a dementia, mm. like depression, anxiety, stress. Indirectly, when you have stress, you have hypertension. We know that hypertension is impairing adequate blood flow to the brain. So, yes, indirectly, that can contribute. I actually have another theory. And I don't know if this is going to show up, but here's my other theory. My phone. Yeah. 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 We call them smartphones, and I joke all the time because without that phone, I'm not so smart. I know how to get the information. Mm-hmm. But what I'm not doing is I'm not challenging my brain or positively oh stressing my, my brain mm-hmm. to remember things. Remember growing up, we knew our phone number, we knew our neighbor's phone number, we knew our best friend's phone
0: number. Mm-hmm. And if we How wanted, many
1: adults, do you, can't tell you their kids' phone
0: numbers? Yeah. And if you wanted to know something important about the world, your parents went to the encyclopedias on the shelf. Go look it up.
1: Absolutely. So we went through a process to actually create those memory tracks. Well, what happens now? <laughs> We're surfing on the phone we're watching tv we're having a conversation intermittently with the people that go in and out of the room we're really not attending to anything i agree and so i really believe that that is ultimately going to prove itself to be a significant contributor to i don't know the decline of society i know that just sounds so dramatic
0: no but it's but correct. When it people is are not correct.
1: able to So I think that's a big part. I think we're multitasking Mm -hmm. way too much, not only with our cell phones, but kids nowadays. Well, you know, if they're not in three sports and attending clubs and going out with their friends, well, you know, they're just not really adequately involved.
0: Mm -hmm. You know, growing up,
1: I was involved in one sport during the year, and it was only for probably a couple of months. Mm -hmm. The rest of the time, my sport was going out in the front yard and picking up any kind of game I could with my neighbors. That's right. It sounds real boring, yeah. but that's what we did.
0: Mm-hmm. And you had social skills too. People think texting is some sort of social skill. It is not. Absolutely. Uh, email. It is not. Yeah. Um, you know the young people of today. I'm always complaining about them, even though they are great. It's a wonderful generation. That uh, they're good people, but you know, they they'd be nowhere without that phone. They wouldn't know how to give an opinion or get an opinion without Facebook. Um, Exactly. And it borderlines on pathetic, and it is not good for society.
1: Well, and then look at social media. And I might be a little bit of a hypocrite (laughs) here because I am on social media. Yeah, me too. um, With compassionate education. (laughs) However, if you're not on social media, you don't exist. So it's not only putting yourself out there, but so much of what we do and what everybody does is we're trying to project something. So we're so busy trying to portray something that we're not present in our own lives. We are actually not experiencing the moment.
0: That's exactly. Um,
1: you know, they used to talk about family dinners and how that was such a a time of the family gathering and strengthening that nuclear family and then the <coughs> extended family as well. Mm-hmm. but not anymore because what happens at dinner? Everyone has Everyone their, phone. their phone phones. Yeah. And if you say exactly, if you say no, we're not doing cell phones during dinner, People are shocked. Mm -hmm. So I really think that we're going to find that cell phones certainly play a role, but I can't put it all on the cell phone. I think it's the way that society has evolved. I think that we are truly destroying ourselves.
0: Uh, You're not the only person. I mean, there are huge papers, uh, geniuses throughout the world and think tanks uh, that are saying immediate gratification is the two best words right. for all of us. Not, not just the younger generation, because I don't want if they're, I mean, the average person that watches this show is between 55 and 60. You know, But if, if there are younger people watching, and I hope they are, you guys are the best. You're going to invent things because of your knowledge and technolo- technological capabilities. You're going to invent things in the next 20, 30 years that makes my generation look like nothing. You're incredible people. But immediate gratification is now the new way—not just for young people, for all of us. Mm-hmm. If I want to know oh, what's happening just in just the world, of it. yeah, oh, we are. I have my phone mm-hmm. set up, you know, for um, you know Fox News alerts and CNN news alerts, so I can get two opposite sides of what's happening in the world and then make my own decisions. But I have things set up for alerts when rates are going up, so I know in my mortgage company how many more people yeah. are dying from this virus. What's happening in the Mideast? My God, I won't even say our parents, when we were young, we had to wait for the 11 o'clock news. Now we right. have, yeah, it is all about immediate gratification. And,
1: and I think yeah. that is really impacting our ability to create. <coughs> yes. On top of that, we are in this fast-paced world. And so it's not uncommon that you're getting several meals a week through a drive-thru. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, they're not the most nutritious. They're not nutritious at all. Um, and so is that impacting our, our brain health? Of course it is. Mm-hmm. Um, so are we getting enough sleep? Probably not. Well, I probably am because I love to sleep. But most people are not getting enough no, sleep. I'm not. We don't practice something called good sleep hygiene, mm-hmm. which is what's supposed to happen is we're supposed to train <laughs> our brain. That I'm going into my bedroom, I am going to go there to sleep, but instead what happens is we have the phone on, because someone might text me, and it might be really important that they ask me a question that really is not urgent, but I'm going to answer. I'll have the TV on, and I might wake up several times during the night, and I don't have that static like we used to have, it's going to be a show. I may or may not stay up and watch it, so we don't train ourselves that... The bedroom is for intimacy and for sleep, and that's it. Yep. We need to establish routines. We need to go ahead when we're not having any impairment with our cognition and say, this is my routine. And you need to be very um, scheduled with that routine. For example, it's 10 o'clock. I'm going to go in. I'm going to wash my face, brush my teeth, put my pajamas on, and go to bed. And what happens is it develops this functional memory. And so the functional Mm -hmm. memory is how we know how to brush our teeth, because we learn that at a very young age. How do we know how to brush our hair? How do we know how to get dressed? Because we do it instinctually, but it was something that we learned. That's right. So as dementia progresses and we lose our ability to communicate our thoughts, that functional memory will kick in. So we really need to start now. Regardless of what age now is for, for an audience, and get yourself into these routines. We need to start acting like it can happen to us because it can.
0: That's right. And, and so,
1: you know, although there's no guarantee that it won't happen, what we can do is mitigate all the risk factors that we have control over.
0: We, you know, we have the same exact discussion uh, with Mark Goldberg, Bill Comfort, um, you know, about long-term care insurance. Nobody mm-hmm. wants to think about it till mm-hmm. it happens. And then I hate to say it, it's too late. Um you can right. still live a good life, but you're not getting long term care insurance after you have a long term care event. Um but I, I just I couldn't agree with you more. Um it is all habits. It's it's really, you know, amazing. It, we could take it a step further. You know, I don't think I don't know if this has anything to do with dementia, but I know that, you know, kids specifically growing up, playing these war games and things like that. Um, I remember when the first all 24 hour news station, CNN, let's face it, they're the pioneer, uh, CNN and um, Ted Turner. You know, when we first saw those first bombs um, explode in the Mideast live on TV, I remember sitting in the room with a bunch of people going, oh my God, this is live. People are being blown up, they are dying. And now you turn on any 24-hour news, and the background, you see a city blowing up, and you go, oh, man. oh I think I got an email. Let me just check that. Right, we I agree. we have been desensit- very apathetic. Yeah, we've become desensitized. War is now yes. televised on a minute-by-minute basis, um, mm-hmm. and I don't think that's good either. That's why it's so easy for us to I go to war. I don't care if you're a Republican or Democrat. It's very easy to go, we're going to go do this now because it's a television show. But it's right. not. It's reality.
1: Yeah. And so all of those things, I believe, influence, you know, diet, um, not only going through drive throughs but really, are we looking at the best possible nutrition? Are we following a Mediterranean diet or, a, you know, diabetic association diet? What are we doing? Um, so it really does make a difference what we put in because eventually it's going to impact who we are 5, 10, 15 years from now. Absolutely. Um, So I think that that certainly plays a role. Stress, 100%, I agree with you, not a doubt. Uh, You know, people want to go ahead and take vitamins and take supplements, and I'm not saying not to, but what we know (laughs) is that the best way to get that is through nutrition, not through a pill or a capsule. That's right. Um, Physical activity, again, just like we've been talking about. We are not the generation that we were when we were growing up, no. the world has changed. I have become a couch potato. I admit it. It's a hard habit to break. I'm tired at the end of the day. I want to go ahead. I want to watch the news. I might have a cup of coffee. Maybe I'll have a cocktail. I'm going to sit on the couch. Yeah. What I should do is I should be putting on my sneakers, putting on a workout outfit, and going and taking a walk. Yeah. Because we know that we need that. That, that is how we are created. We are not taking care of the one body, the one brain that we have for our entire life. Mm -hmm. We assume it will always perform at the level we need it to perform at. And it doesn't. That said, I kind of want to segue into um, another part of this conversation, which is caregiver health. Yes. I am incredibly concerned about caregivers. And I think I've mentioned this before, but the statistics show that a caregiver often dies before the person they're caring for. The and it's really not a surprise. It's no mystery. Yeah, It is unbelievable. The reason it happens, first of all, is the level of stress that they are going through watching their loved one
0: yeah.
1: go down this journey.
0: Yeah,
1: They're taking on all of the needs that their loved one has. They are completely neglecting their own needs. Mm-hmm. And by the time that... They're getting themselves to a provider, which may be after their loved one is passed, or maybe when some type of an illness, pneumonia or otherwise, you know, basically mandates it. Mm -hmm. They are so sick. (coughs) Yes. It's just, it's so unfortunate. I've told you before that I run a support group and we meet every month. We have been for about three and a half years and. I see most of their loved ones. It just, even though I have an open support group, most of the patients happen to be in my practice. So I see these patients, you know, a couple times a year, maybe more, maybe a little less. But I see their caregiver every single month. And I'm astounded at how the caregivers are aging. Yeah. So what happens now for all of your your audience that's listening that is caring for someone with a chronic disease, whether it be dementia or otherwise, what's going to happen when they need you and you're not there? That's right. So I really encourage everyone who's listening, I know that you're doing it out of the purest intentions. You don't want to leave your loved one alone. You don't want to... You know, tie, you know, drag them along in the car while you go for your doctor's appointment. But if you don't c- take care of yourself, then really no one's being taken care of.
0: There's, there's no doubt. Um, the, the stress of taking care of someone, and I don't mean through a cold or a flu, you know, because we do no, that this as is par- different. Yeah, we do that as parents. We do that as children. This but is there's an so end different. in sight. Yeah, there's an end in sight. And That's the end in exactly sight right.
1: is a happy ending. It's that they're <coughs> independent and yeah. able to care for themselves.
0: Mm-hmm. The, so...
1: It's not this constant barrage of negativity and the depression, because really with dementia, you're losing your loved one twice.
0: Yes.
1: And it, no matter how I try to describe it, if someone has not witnessed it, has not gone down this journey and God bless you. If you haven't, I hope you never do. Right. But if you do, there'll be nothing more difficult in your life. And that's what I hear over and over and over again. And so, with that, I don't know, a couple of years ago, I came home after one of my support group meetings and I said to my husband, we need long-term care insurance. He said, okay, I'll go get it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: About a week later, he said, do you have any idea how much this costs? And I said, I know it's going to be expensive and I don't care what we have to do. I don't care what sacrifices we have to make. It is the greatest gift we can give to each other and to our children. That's right. Because I have had patients in my office and they're saying, I don't know what to do. We have no assets. We don't have the ability to pay for her care or his care. I need to work or we're on a fixed income. And the stories are gut-wrenching.
0: Yeah, they are.
1: And it's because... I think that this is truly a pandemic. It's something that we didn't see coming. We're living longer, as you, you mentioned in your opening monologue. So most people did not prepare to live that long. That's right. And so long-term care is something that absolutely everyone needs to explore. Mm-hmm. Um, it may be that you find that it is just just cost prohibitive. But get the information. And if you can't afford it for yourself, the best gift you can give second to that. Is tell your children to buy it now while they're young and it's affordable
0: and just and just i don't want to turn this into a long-term care show i want to stick with our topic um but the beauty of the long-term care industry and it has suffered a lot like the reverse mortgage world a lot like other worlds but in the last six to 12 months some of the main carriers have come back and there is now in fact i'll, I'll make sure you and bob have the right information there is now a lot more affordable mm-hmm. long-term care insurance for Mr. and Mrs. America who actually need it. Not for the guy with $8 million in the bank and that will always afford in-home care. There is better, less expensive products out there now. Just a quickie. And you're going to be on a show, I, I, I hope, in the next six weeks, two more times. Once with Mark Goldberg. Uh, our national long-term care expert, so you guys can be together and talk about these things. And then also with a representative from the Weizmann Institute in Israel, they have made huge steps forward on the cure for Alzheimer's. It's not tomorrow, but it's real. Um, right. And that, you, know, you might have to find another job, but something tells me you'd be real happy about that. Absolutely. Yeah.
1: There was actually an interesting article um, that recently was published by Georgia Tech. And their researchers have found that electrical impulses at about 40 hertz actually was causing the breakdown of the cytokines um, and the plaques. So I'm really excited to see where that goes. There are a lot of um, very prestigious labs doing a lot of really impressive work. Unfortunately, it has not come to the public yet. I'm hopeful for when it does. I I think that... um, we need it. We absolutely need it. <laughs> understand- aside, from the, aside from that, aside from the actual disease process, the other concern that I have beyond the disease is the dis-ease of the disease.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: What tends to happen is isolation. You find that people stop going to church, mm-hmm. they stop going to temple, they stop going out to dinner with friends and social gatherings. One, because sometimes they're embarrassed, especially Mm -hmm. prior to the diagnosis. It's unfortunate that they feel that way. I remember when I was a child, I think cancer brought that, you know, same Mm -hmm. stigma with it. We don't have that anymore. I look forward to the day when dementia doesn't have that. I think we're doing better. We're Mm -hmm. not there yet. Mm -hmm. Because people, they don't want to be shunned. They don't want to be embarrassed. They don't want their loved one to feel uncomfortable. So you have isolation and really, when we look back at technology and how it's really keeping people, um, we're able to reach people across the world. But yet, it's very isolating because we're not having that person-to-person contact. When you put disease on top of that, you have so much depression <laughs> and sadness. Yeah, um, and that's a spiral. It's it a, a spiral downward
0: spiral. into a black hole.
1: Absolutely. This is really something we need to wrap our arms around and
0: support people. That's right.
1: But we're not there yet to the level that I'd like to see it.
0: Yeah. You know, this disease, like I tried to convey in the very beginning, but, you know, there are no words for this. This I don't care who you are. uh, You could have, uh, you know, taken tickets on the Long Island Railroad for 40 years and retired. You could have been a doctor. You could have been a a fireman yeah you could have, it doesn't make a difference. kindergarten teacher, this attacks everything that everything. makes you a person and <laughs> uh, you know uh, you know some, you know when you're sitting in a group of people and you know especially your peers or your friends that are in the same age group, or you know when Bob and I speak, you know because we're so close, you know every now and then you start talking about crazy stuff, and you know uh, uh, i I read a lot about suicide and things like that. I don't understand suicide. I mean, it's so final. I know that depression, I don't really suffer from depression, but, you know, I I just, I I can't get, I couldn't think of a problem that would make me want to end my life because there's no coming back. But I will say honestly that if I had some sort of advanced dementia where I literally could not remember my children or grandchildren or know who I am, I hope uh, the universe gives me about a, One, you know, sixty seconds, you know, of cognitive thought to end my own life. I, I I don't. I'll give me cancer, give me the other stuff, but not remembering my children or my grandchildren. So here's uh, here's what's
1: interesting about that. So in the beginning, people get the diagnosis, assuming it's in the early or early moderate stage. Certainly, there is depression, sadness, Mm -hmm. um, a lot of self-reflection. At some point, though, the person with the memory impairment loses that. They're oblivious. They're childlike. Yeah. Only yeah. in their innocence. Yeah. Um, it's their loved ones who see it. So I do tell people when, they're, when their family member, loved one gets to that stage, if there's any comfort, it's that they don't understand what they no longer yeah. have.
0: I don't want to get to that stage. No. I don't I mean, want I, anyone I, to. I just don't want to get to that stage.
1: Well... Um, it does run in my family, and it's it's devastating. It's so hard to see, which is a natural lead to the next part, um, knowing that it runs in a person's family. Yeah, one it? parent, you have a slightly increased risk of developing. I'm just going to specify Alzheimer's. Both parents, it's really not that much more. Oh, good. You, you don't have a 50% chance of getting Alzheimer's if both your parents have Alzheimer's. Okay. It should be a wake-up call. Yes, Like, I really need to do some things here to really evaluate my lifestyle and see if there's anything that I should be changing and modifying. Um, But what we found, actually, it was the Alzheimer's Association in their last publication came out and found, they documented that for seniors... Most people want to be asked about their memory. Most people on their wellness visit would like to have their memory evaluated, not necessarily by a neurologist, but just a basic assessment by their primary care provider. Unfortunately, they are not being asked. Mm -hmm. So I want to empower everyone who's watching this. Please feel free to go ahead and ask for that evaluation and give yourself that peace of mind. And if by chance there is some concern and that concern is validated during that assessment and you do get referred to a neurologist, we're going to make that journey hopefully less stressful, right. um, a lot more informed, and we will hold your hand during that, that process. hmm But to ignore your concerns, first of all, you might find out that, in fact, it's not a dementia. Maybe Mm -hmm. it's depression. Maybe you've been depressed so long, you don't recognize it. So it's really important to get evaluated, number one. Number two, whether or not you get the information, and I know information is really frightening to get. But what I tell people all the time is hearing it doesn't change that it is. It just gives you more power. And you should, people should be empowered because even though we can't change the progress of dementia, we can certainly put people in the driver's seat so they can make their own decisions. Yes. So I think that that's really important as well.
0: It, um, know, it, it certainly is. It certainly is.
1: Yeah, your your audience, I, I really hope that regardless of where they are on the continuum of age, that at least by the age of 60, 65, they are asking their primary care provider. I'm hoping they have a primary care provider and it's not urgent care. That's urgent right. care has a purpose, that's but right. not to be your primary care provider. Exactly. Which, you know, that's another thing. When you establish a rapport with a provider year after year, they can pick <coughs> up on some changes that you might not have been aware of. So it's really important. Um, yeah. you, you need to invest in your own health, whether it is lifestyle, whether it's taking your medication, getting evaluated or insurance. Mm-hmm. All of that's important.
0: All right. So I want you to cover as much as you can, because I'm going to ask you some questions. Um, you know, when you when you say, Michael, I'm done and I and we still have plenty of time. So don't worry if you want to. Okay. You know, uh, I'm going to ask you some specific questions about our family. Uh, OK, I'm you know, um, not going get... to know
1: that any of them are watching, but hopefully. <laughs> well, well, I'm not sure. Hopefully or hopefully not, depending on the questions. Is,
0: where, where's Bob? Is he downstairs in the living room or upstairs shooting pool? Uh, he's downstairs. Okay. He's not watching you? How he's
1: rude. not watching me. I think he's, I
0: think he's on the phone doing some work. Ah, how rude. Okay. I know. He's I'm not watching you and me on two, two members of the family what? on TV. That's not right. And he's not watching. You see, that's just not right. But you keep going. I, I do want to ask a few questions. Yeah. Um, because it concerns me. You know, Bob and I talk about it and we laugh about it. You know, we're both getting early Alzheimer's. We go to the garage. We don't remember what we went in there for. Blah, blah, blah. Um, but let's not talk about that yet. What's your, you know, We have 15 minutes left, so really we got about 13 because it takes me two minutes to say goodbye. Has there been any, I mean, I'm going to connect you with the Weitzman Institute here on the TV show, but has there been, I know there's more information all the time that gives us power, has there been any improvements? Is there medicine, you know, okay, you're 68 years old, you have the onset, there's now medicine that will help slow down, You know, the succession of the disease, or there has been.
1: So, no, it's old. It's the same medications they've used for years and years, but it's effective for most people. So, the first category is the um, cholinesterase inhibitors. So, the way that I'm sorry, say that slower. The first category, there's several drugs in this category, yeah. they're cholinesterase inhibitors. Okay,
0: I thought you said cholinestomy and go, I'm not having one of those. I just...
1: <laughs> so a cholinesterase inhibitor, what it does is the brain communicates through chemicals, acetylcholine. Mm-hmm. And so one neuron will transmit um, this chemical down the neuron and spit it out and wait for another neuron to absorb it. And that's how it communicates. So what can happen when someone has Alzheimer's or dementia, that chemical, the acetylcholine breaks down quickly. And so that's part of the process of not creating the memory. That's why people ask the same question over and over. They're aware in the early stages that they've asked the question.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Can't remember what the answer was. Right. So that category of medications keeps the acetylcholine available longer it prevents it from quickly breaking down so that medication is indicated for early to moderate stage alzheimer's or other dementia Let me and answer. i say go ahead
0: no oh, i just want is that for the early onset of the symptoms or what yeah you know, let's say you're 61 years old like me and every yeah. now and then you don't remember things and right. i don't it's just that simple I mean, so I is think, it yeah, normal
1: aging process yeah, because yeah. we know that a 61 year old memory is different than a 20 year old. So, but again, if you have a reference, you know, someone who has this disease, as soon as you can't find that first word, it's a slippery slope. Yeah. Then the anxiety kicks in and then you wonder, is this the beginning? Mm-hmm. And so then that anxiety creates even worse word finding um that expression it's on the tip of your tongue and you stress so hard trying to find yes. it You go through the alphabet nothing's triggering the memory now you're convinced oh my gosh so now you have this inner turmoil of i have early stage dementia mm-hmm. so that's why again it's so important because age-related forgetfulness is very different than dementia people think it's the same thing it's not very very different it is not indicated for normal age related now my personal opinion i hope i don't upset anyone out there i would say if you're having true memory impairment get evaluated and if it's appropriate to start a memory supporting medication then get the kind that is prescribed by your provider that has evidence-based outcomes and that we know works I believe that right now, a lot of these drug companies and dietary supplement companies are tapping in on a fear and a need for the public, and you go and you have a whole section of memory-supporting, you know, brain boost or whatever kinds of medications they're offering. They're expensive, and people buy them because they think that they are doing something to help their memory. Just my opinion, and I tell my patients this, don't. If you need memory-supporting medication, get it from a prescriber who is going to go ahead and give you something that's FDA-approved and proven outcomes.
0: Well, taking them—this may be a dumb question. It's a layman's question. No, sure not. Does starting that medication make the disease progress even further? No. I mean, like no. a lot of times they say you do too much nose spray. Quite frankly, your nasal patches— It's not patches, like an afternoon. Okay. All right, no. so you're not getting, yeah, okay, oh, that makes me feel well, better. So
1: it used to be hold off on starting the medication as long yes, as possible. Yes, that's what I call it. Yeah. Because there was a thought that it only has benefit <coughs> for 18 to 24 months. Right. So let's wait until mom, dad, brother, sister, sibling, um, spouse really needs it, then we'll do it. They rethought really that and found, no, we're actually recommending that you start it earlier. So early, as soon as you get diagnosed, have those discussions with your provider. I have a lot of patients who have early stage, and we don't start the medication because we just don't feel that it's appropriate at that time. Right. Other people maybe have not progressed to that point, and I'll start the medication. Mm-hmm. So it really has to be a dialogue. Um, Is there some placebo effect? Probably only so much as you feel like you're doing something for yourself, but it truly is proven medication. Mm -hmm. Then for moderate to advanced stage Alzheimer's, and the reason I keep saying Alzheimer's instead of just dementia, is that these medications we use for all the different dementias, but was actually just approved for Alzheimer's. That's where they did their testing. Mm -hmm. But because we don't have a lot of medications, we will do a little bit of off-label prescribing, Mm -hmm. meaning we may give someone Aricept for vascular dementia.
0: Now explain to the audience just quickly vascular dementia.
1: Okay. What about it?
0: Yeah, what is vascular dementia as opposed to? So
1: vascular dementia is the one that you really can go ahead and impact. Um, So it's the only one that you truly can see on imaging. And what happens is for either poorly controlled hypertension, high cholesterol, um, high blood sugar, or untreated sleep apnea. So you're not using your CPAP or your BiPAP. You are not getting adequate blood flow to the brain. So when we look at imaging, we can see there's a lot of tissue that is ischemic or dead. Mm -hmm. And it's no longer functioning. So it's kind of like a a circuit board. Your brain is very logical. Every part of the brain is responsible for a different function. Mm -hmm. So with vascular dementia, what will happen is this will be someone who will have a lot of ischemia because of any of those factors that I just mentioned. And so when you look at imaging, you can see it. So we can be really aggressive with that. I can't reverse it. Mm -hmm. I can hopefully reduce the risk factors of progression The damage is done right but that's what vascular dementia is so what i tell people is if you have you know uh, atherosclerosis you have heart disease the chance of it just being isolated to that one organ unlikely Mm -hmm. whatever blockage you have in your heart is probably also in your brain maybe you just aren't aware of it yet right so that's what vascular dementia is. I
0: got you. Thank you.
1: So we have the Aricept for early to moderate, and then for moderate to late, we have Namenda. So Namenda is very helpful, again, for conversational memory, but it also really helps for functional memory. Again, that's the memory that allows us to go about our daily tasks without giving much thought to what we're doing. It's how we know how to go ahead and put food on a fork and put the fork up to your mouth, and you're doing it without thinking. Mm-hmm. So... This is really important, not only to preserve memory to the best of its ability, but as the disease advances and the person then is needing to have assistance with their, what we call ADLs, activities of daily living, right. their bathing, their dressing, wouldn't it be wonderful for their caregiver to have the person with the memory impairment be able to participate in their own care?
0: Mm-hmm. I mean, and isn't be it a gift? It. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and isn't it a gift for the person with the with the memory impairment to still have some ability to participate in their own needs? Mm. So we ideally would like to have <coughs> the, the individual ultimately on a cholinesterase inhibitor and Namenda. Mm-hmm. They work best together, but they certainly work very well individually.
0: Okay. that's And that's that's not the, I shouldn't say last stage, but that's for the advance, that Numetta.
1: Moderate, moderate (coughs) stage to advanced. Mm -hmm. At some point, you've crossed the threshold. When you're in late stage, and you're just getting a diagnosis, really, it's it's too late to start those medications. The window has is you know been closed.
0: All right. So we have a few minutes. We have six minutes left. I'm going to ask you a couple of questions because obviously you know the family. Uh, My father, who died a little before his 82nd birthday. You know, I had a little memory loss the last few years. Sometimes he'd ask me if I remembered one of his friends, you know, from World War II, 15 years, 20 years before I was born. But we're still writing mortgages, you know, bowling, averaging 180, blah, blah, blah. He was all there. My right. mom died in her 70s, uh, unfortunately, of cancer, sharp as attack. Let's talk about Sid, you know, who is an incredible individual. Bob's father, your, your father-in-law. At eighty-five years old, I would have put his brain, you know, against most people in their fifties. Um, national, world, three-cushion billiard champion playing chess with me over the phone. Yes, the computer confused him sometimes, but that was his—that <laughs> was his, uh, you know, his age bracket, sure. you know, his generation, not lack of intelligence. Oh, absolutely. Um, I don't know much about Uncle Philly. Uncle Normie was pretty damn sharp till the last minute as well. Um, you know, Bob and I have our, he's probably downstairs going, what is he saying? I'll leave you out, Bob. I, have, yeah, I don't think I have Alzheimer's, but I do surprise myself with still remembering my name and phone, num- my phone number and address when I was five.
1: But that's but not, long-term
0: memory. Right, but not remembering that I just said to somebody, you know, before the show, I'll call you back right after the show. It's just amazing. So, but, so it worries so, me.
1: So, what you bring up, people say to me all the time. How come they can remember all these previous events, but they can't remember what they did yesterday? So, memory, you have to think about how long has that memory been there? So, something that happened last week is a relatively new memory. Last memories created are going to be the first lost. So, it's really like a cycle. Um, Last memories, let me get
0: this now. Last memories created are the first ones lost. You Correct. would think logically it would be the old ones.
1: No. Think about it this way. Those memories, those old ones have been there since you were a child.
0: So they're implanted so, in there.
1: Exactly. So when you look at someone who is a late stage, what can they still do? Until the very, very, you know, late, mm-hmm. late stages. Brush they their
0: can teeth. still eat, mm-hmm. walk, mm-hmm.
1: right? They, they have all those basics. They learned how to do those as a child, Mm -hmm. but maybe the conversation you had two minutes ago, they can't recall. They no longer have the ability to create memory. Mm -hmm. They have to rely on those old memories. And so oftentimes in the late stages, one of the ways you can tell someone's in a late stage is they start talking about the past as if it were the present. They talk about their mother or father who has been deceased maybe 30 years as being in the next room or they just saw them yesterday mm-hmm. because that's where their memory bank is that's where they are functioning is in long-term memory right So to answer your question and I might be getting ahead of myself tell me if I am do I think you all have early stages? Here's what I'm gonna tell you
0: <laughs> and don't worry since Bob doesn't watch the show that's right he'll never know.
1: But Helen may be my mother-in-law.
0: She's sharp as a tack, too.
1: She is. She has her moment. She'll, dis- she'll so, disagree with me on this. Yeah. So one of the mimics is ADD. Aha. Uh-huh. You're so easily distracted that you're not allowing yourself to create the memory.
0: That, there, so yeah, that, that's, that's
1: really what I think is going on. I know a couple of people family.
0: like that. Yes. Look at the bird. Oh, exactly. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> oh, no, my God. No, I don't see
1: anything that's concerning. Not at all.
0: That's good. That's good. That makes me feel better. <laughs> good. <laughs> of course, Bob's downstairs playing billiards on the couch. Yeah, but, they, but still. Uh, exactly. Look yeah. at the birds. Where are the holes? Uh, uh, that, yeah, I feel that way, too. And I know there's also stress-induced dementia. There's yes. other types of dementia. Um, dementias. Yeah, yeah trying to do this television show get discovered be famous before i grow old looks like it's a little too late for that um but other things you know you know like i said every time you come on we learn something i'm gonna ask my doctor to ask about my memory and to the 80 i encourage
1: everyone yeah to,
0: to the eighty thousand plus people watching do that with your doctors don't be afraid of this you know knowledge is always power um don't be afraid mm-hmm. to know um, tell them you want some questions. Tell them you, if you, if you have any um, doubt that you may be having it or not, ask. Ask your doctor because absolutely, I guess, yeah. And
1: you know, sometimes it's just by putting it out there, they can look at your medication and see that maybe there's some interaction going on that's, that's causing right. some confusion.
0: All right. Well, we have less than a minute to go. As always, thank you for being here. Um, Thanks uh, We learned so much. I, you know, we didn't bring up the website. 45 seconds to go. www.compassion. There it is, education.com. Please, if you have people, if you're worried yourself, if you have people in your family, go to this site. It has staggering things. Um, like it. Subscribe to it. Follow it. Um, Laura puts up things during the week um, that fits all types of, uh, I mean, I just know every one of these listeners uh, are just going to go. Oh, my God, that's Uncle Bill, or that's my dad, or that's my grandfather. It's something. Check out
1: my Instagram, too. I'm say putting quick, things up almost daily. Right. It is compassionate underscore education.
0: All right. Uh, you got that? Compa- uh, compassionate underscore education. Six seconds to go. We have incredible visitors and guests in the next few weeks, and Laura's coming back. Thank you, Laura. Thank you to all my guests Thank out you. there. Let's all be good to each other. Thank you.